How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Knicks podcast. This is episode 91. I am your host, Jared Dubin. We are talking the day after the Knicks blew a 17-point lead to the super team Philadelphia 76ers. And joining me to discuss whether or not this is rock bottom, you know him as Big Waz, you know him on Twitter, and you know him from ESPN's True Hoop TV podcasts. It is Big Waz. How are you, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm good, Jared. Thanks for having me. A big fan of your work, so, you know, I'm pretty happy to be on today. Oh, I appreciate that. That's that's very nice of you to say. Um, I know you watched the game last night because I was watching it myself and watching it with the rest of the people on Twitter, and at a certain point it sort of seemed like inevitable that the Knicks were going to lose the game almost. Even my roommate, who was in, like, the other room, was like, yeah, I knew when they were up, like, eight with three minutes left that they were going to lose. Um... They, uh, they, they blew a 10-point lead in the last, I think, three minutes. They two, blew two, two minutes and 30 seconds. Two minutes and 30 seconds. They blew a 17-point lead overall. And then we have this from uh, the ESPN NBA Twitter account. Um, the Sixers trailed by 17 points. Since the start of last season, they were 0-71 when trailing by 15-plus in any game. So uh, very nixy maneuver to, to blow that game. Yeah, I actually had the opposite feeling. I'm watching it the whole time, and I'm like, no, eventually. No, I'm like, no, the clock's going to run out. Like, they're not going to blow this. They're not going to blow this. They're not going to blow. They're not going to. They're not going to. And then <laughs> I, and even when, um, you know, that shot went up, that last shot went up, I was like, no, nah, that's not going in. And then. And then, of course, it did. Yeah. And <laughs> Carmelo, you, there was the vine going around out there of him, like, very clearly being like, oh, fuck that. Courtney Lee, you could see in the in the the other angle, just like straight up ran off the court immediately after it happened. The uh, the reactions were obviously not great. Um, yeah, you know the the last shot, the way it happened was so strange because they got basically like the platonic ideal result from their own possession that led to that yes. shot. Like they got a wide three. open corner three for the best shooter on the team. And he airballed it. Like, so odd. 
And right, and that's the thing. And even from the corners, it can be the, those corner shots are always the weirdest sort of rebounds to get because it's hard to get an angle of where it's going. So you know, it could have ricocheted off the rim in any numerous directions. Maybe went out of bounds. Maybe you know, two or three people spent a couple of seconds fighting over it. But no, KP unfortunately just airballed it. And I said on Twitter, I was like, functionally, it just worked as an outlet pass. Oh, yeah. Like, if the rebound had gone anywhere other than where it did, the Sixers might have called timeout. Like, the right. fact that it was an airball that got tipped out toward the three point line created that sort of, it, I mean, initially it was like a three on one that they kind of blew. And um, But that was why they didn't call timeout, because they had that advantage coming down the court, and that created the whole situation that ended, obviously, with McConnell. Like, any other result from that shot by KP, maybe the game ends differently. Right. And, you know, when they built that 17-point lead, um, I, you know, what I did anticipate that they would give it up because the Knicks, you know, for all of their struggles with the, the, the triangle, and we don't need to get into that today, they've just been just terrible defensively all season, even against a team like the Sixers where they don't have – the scoring op- options aren't plentiful, you know, if we're being generous here. Um, they're not the hardest team to defend. But, you know, even against a team like the Sixers, the Knicks can be lazy. The Knicks can be, you know, uh, not very focused, I I guess you should say. You know, and that's what they've done all season. And, you know, that was part of my problem with uh, Phil Jackson's triangle carping. It's not, you know, that he's crying about the triangle. It's like, dude, this team has way bigger issues than you know, what offense they're running. They're actually doing pretty decently on offense, you know. And, and, you know, it's been a bugaboo of theirs all season. And it reared its ugly head last night where even in the crunch time possessions where most, you know, decent teams, they may not be uh, top five in defensive um, efficiency. But in the last two minutes, all teams know, look, we got to hunker down here. And the Knicks couldn't even find a way to do that last night against the Sixers. And granted, this isn't, you know, your daddy's Sixers of the the, the, <laughs> the, um, the the beginning of the process where it was just, you know, just completely god-awful basketball. They're, they've made some strides in that regard this season um, because they just, just by function of having way better players, not having all D-leaguers on their team. But they're still, a, you know, bottom of the barrel NBA team. Right, they had 10 wins coming into the game. Right. And, like, <laughs> and their, the their defense had been be better. Do something against them. Yeah, and, like, their defense has been better since, I think, like, late November or so. And But their offense has still been really bad for the most part. Like, anybody shooting other than Embiid has been, like, a disaster for them. And when he's off the court, their offense especially has been a disaster. So it was, it was interesting to see the way the game started last night with both teams, like, scorching hot offensively. Like, it was a slow-paced first quarter, but both teams still wound up, like, in or near the 30s. It was 32-27 right. after one. And then, in the in, you know, in the second and third was where... The Knicks, like, their offense slowed down a little bit from the first couple quarters, but they sort of locked the Sixers down. Like, the Sixers went back to scoring the way they had throughout most of the season. Then you get into not even the full fourth, but, like, the end of the fourth was really where it sort of fell apart on both sides with the exception of, like, that one ridiculous drive from Derrick Rose where which yeah. extended the lead, I think, from one to three before Gerald Henderson beat him off the dribble to cut the lead back to one. 
uh, which preceded that that final KP shot. But I mean, they, they sort of let the Sixers get into their offense, and that's you know that's obviously been a problem for them for throughout the year and for years and years. And I, I thought Courtney Lee sort of summarized it best after the game, where you know he said you know it's definitely embarrassing the way we're losing games. There's no excuses. It's just us. This shit is definitely embarrassing. We have to find consistency in everything soon. It's got to be defense first. We got to change our mentality. And it's like he just summed up the last 15 years of Knicks basketball in one quote. Right. Like. And, you know, and again, Derrick Rose has gotten, you know, <laughs> and I guess we could get into that a little bit later, but Derrick Rose has gotten his fair share of grief in the past couple of days, but he was all right. You know, yeah. he was Derrick Rose. He kind of sucked on defense. Um, but he he was pretty decent on offense. Yeah, I think he know? had twenty one points on fourteen shots. I think it was like yeah, he he was effective. Yeah, he and got to the basket, that, especially early in the game. Yes, early in the game, he, I think he made his like first six, five or six shots. Mm-hmm. And um, on that last possession, he comes off the pick and roll on the left side. He knifes, um, you know, towards the paint. And I'm like, oh, God, he's about to take a circus shot. And he kicked it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? he, he drew, I think, three defenders toward him, yeah. like, sort of near the baseline and made one of those classic Derrick Rose, like, I'm going to jump, and I don't necessarily know where I'm going to no, pass the I'm ball yet. Yeah. But it turned out great. Like, found Jennings wide open, uh, you know, sort of to the right of the top of the key on the other side of the court. And Jennings made a great pass also, like, that possession could not have worked out any better for them until the moment that the shot left KP's hands. Right. And Rose created that look. And, you know, and the, and, and the thing is, is, this last stretch with the Knicks is kind of a microcosm of just the level of talent they have on the team. And, you know, as Courtney Lee pointed out, they, they just lack of focus, right? I think about that 45-win Bulls team when Derrick Rose was hurt. They had a bunch of injuries. Nate Robinson is going crazy all over the place. Aaron but Brooks. They, like. Right. And and they had less talent than the Knicks have right now. But what they what they lacked in, you know, overall talent, they, they made up for in spades in just defensive effort. You know, like, they kicked, they played hard every night. They played with cohesion. They, you know, executed their assignments. You know, if you get, like, However many assignments per game, they're executing about 85% of them every game. And a lot of times that's enough to to claw out a bunch of wins. You know, when you're playing against a team like the Knicks that are just going to come out and not do that on a night-to-night basis. You know, like if they if they were in a place where they, they play consistently with, with effort, you know, on a night-to-night basis, they could be a 40-win team, 42-win team, even with just marginal amount of injury luck but as things stand right now where you have a team of guys who you know they don't really consider themselves to be lunch pail kind of dudes when it comes to a Derrick Rose or Carmelo Anthony or even Chris Stapps to an even lesser degree it's it's hard for them to claw together wins put together good stretches because they're just so damn inconsistent and they're not you know they're not the heatles you know they're not the calves of today they can't just show up you know uh, three quarters through a game and sc- scratch out a win against the Sixers. They don't have that level of talent, and I think they see when they look in the mirror. That's the type of team they see themselves as, and you know the results kind of bear that out. 
Yeah, regardless of what Derrick Rose said before the season, they're not a super team. Like, right. <laughs> there is a lot of name talent on the team, and there's yeah. there's a lot of skill sets that individually contribute, I think, toward a certain style of winning basketball if they're surrounded by the right skill sets elsewhere. And, you know, there are some of those lunch pail type guys like Kylo Quinn who had a great game last night, especially especially in the first half. He was great. He was all over the boards. I think he had like 10 and 12 at halftime or something like that. And he's doing this thing this year where he's muscling guys Mm -hmm. down low. He's in much better shape this year, clearly, I think. Um, and then you have guys like Lance Thomas, who you know we talked about on Twitter during the games. Like there was a point he was over three from the field, but he had six rebounds and he was plus twenty in eighteen minutes. And you know, single game plus minus generally is pretty stupid, but I think you could see in the way that they played when he was on the court, like they played well, significantly watch, better. If you watch the games, he's guarding everybody from. You know, a Gerald Henderson to Sarich to Ilyasova to who you can put them on perimeter, perimeter, perimeter oriented players, or you could put them on traditional bigs, and he's spacing you out. Like you have to actually guard him at um on the perimeter on offense. And every now and again, he'll put the football on the floor. He can make a decent pass. Like he's a plus player. You know, like and and that's the shame in all of this. Like like you said, there are pieces here. Um, that 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 can contribute to a team that would be you know a lot more successful than the Knicks have been, and Lance Thomas is kind of the the poster child for that, you know, and to a lesser extent, um, Justin Holiday, um, uh, on a on on a certain night, um, Kuzminskis can be that that type of player, but they have these kind of guys that can fit, you know, and they're playing hard night to night, but it's just the inconsistency, you know, throughout the rest of the roster, and you know guy like Joe Keane, bless his heart, he's trying out there, but he is just bad. And he played, I th- I thought he played, like, pretty good defense on Embiid for a lot of the night yes. last night. And, like, you look at Lance, like, he has not been anywhere near uh, the quality of player this season as he was last year. A lot of that has been, like, he's been dealing with injuries in both of his feet. Um, and, you know, still, those are the kind of guys that make sense as role players. Like, I think Noah contract aside um, and level of play aside skill set makes sense as a role player that you would like to have on your team but he's not shown it in his play Lance same thing Holiday I think has shown it in his play O'Quinn has shown it in his play but then you take you know you add all those guys together with you know the bigger role uh, guys on the team and I don't think anybody would really deny that the team has added up to less than the sum of its parts so far, yes. the degree that it's added up to less than the sum of his parts, I think, is where people would disagree. Like, some people thought it should have been a top-four team in the East. I was not on that train. I was on the they'll-be-fighting-for-a-bottom-half playoff spot train. And I think I was, even this— I was, I was of the mind that if everything, absolutely everything, were perfect for these guys, they could win 44 games. Perfect. In a perfect world. You know, like they could get to 44 if, you know, they somehow found found a way to gel. They actually found roles and identities for Rose and Melo and, and KP. Um, and, you know, Courtney Lee is a, is a, you know, is a fit kind of guy. Like he can kind of fit in any kind of role, you know, with his skill set. I was like, man, if, if, and, you know, I was delusional enough to think that um, Joe King Noah would still be a plus defender. 
Mm. You know, and that he would anchor a defense that could be around, you know, 16, 17 in defensive efficiency, and their offense would be somewhere close to that, and, you know, they could be decent. Yeah, and you, I mean, you look at Noah the last couple of years, like, he did not play well offensively at all, but his defense had not suffered over right. the last couple of years. So it wasn't unreasonable to think he would be a consistent plus defender this season and at least maybe provide equal or excess value on the first year of his contract. That obviously... Yeah. Hasn't happened. That's out the window. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, a lot of the fan base was sort of divided before the season into two camps. There was the, we're going to win 50 games and be, you know, a top four seed camp. And there was a, this is a disaster. They're going to win 30 games camp. Uh, I came down in the middle. Like, they made right. so many either or bets that it's likely to fall somewhere in between those two extremes. Uh, with the most likely thing being that they'd hover at or around 500 for a lot of the season with wild swings back and forth because, you know, they they were such a volatile team. Like I said several times before the season that they were going to be the highest variance team in the league. And I think that that's borne itself out throughout the season, you know, even though, and, and I'll get to some of this later, like even when they were at 14 and 10, they weren't as good as their record looked. No, um, their point differential was like, Minus two or something like that. Yeah, and it's uh, basically, I think that this, the question follows because, you know, they just blew a 17-point lead to arguably the worst team in the league. Um, You know, Carmelo was talking before the game yesterday that they really had to start getting wins because they don't want things to spiral out of control like they have over the last few years. You know, now they're at the point where they've lost 9 of 10. So, like, the question needs to be asked, is this rock bottom? And I think we've seen from the last few years that it's probably not rock bottom. But I'm curious to, to hear where you land on that particular question. Uh, no, it's, no, of course it's not rock bottom. Like, there's still, you know, only four or five games under 500. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the, it's not like there aren't teams that you can't load up on wins if you, if you, you know, get into any kind of groove. And I don't think there's a team on a night-to-night basis that the Knicks can't be competitive with, right? Um, if it's not, you know, fully healthy Clippers or Cavaliers, or Spurs, or Warriors, um, you know, I don't see why the Knicks can't be competitive with a team like, say, Atlanta, or Toronto, <clears throat> excuse me, or or even the Utah Jazz, who, I'm, who I happen to be a big fan of. Like, I don't, I don't think they're that type of team. Like, I don't think they're, um, uh, you know, a 19-win a level type of team, right? But at the same time, you know, I could it, it, the the proof is kind of in the pudding. They're the type of team that could lose nine, nine out of ten, you know, and 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 they could lose uh thirteen out of fifteen. Right. By the way, you know, so this isn't uh, rock bottom. They could be a lot worse, you know, but I think they could be a little bit better than what they've shown. Yeah, I mean, look, so, they're they're playing the Bulls tonight. They come out and, and lose to the Bulls. It's it's already worse than it is today. Right, and but it, you know, and what I fear is that a lot of times, you know, beating the Bulls isn't some doesn't earn you a demerit badge either. Right. You know, the Bulls aren't any anything to write home about. It's not like this is some, you know, bona fide good team. You know, they to me they're in the same boat as the Knicks. Yeah, they're they're almost as dysfunctional as the Knicks too with this Rondo thing. 
Exactly. So, you know, it's 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 not like they're surrounded by a bunch of vultures. It's a bunch of, you know, sometimes he teams that they're that are ahead of them right now. And if, if they somehow gotten their act together, um, they could, you know, they could sneak into the playoffs. But there's been no indication that they would or that they will. Yeah. And that's you know? that's sort of where I'm going to go to with the next question. But like, so I think we can agree, like. It's not necessarily rock bottom. Like things can definitely get worse than they are now, but there's also no guarantee that they will. Like they're, they're such a, a wild swing team that they could, you know, I don't know, rip off seven wins in the next eleven games or something like that, yeah. and wind up back at five hundred. Or they could, you know, lose ten more of the next twelve and wind up who knows where. Like it's it's such a volatile team. That I think at any point saying, okay, this finally is rock bottom, it can't get any worse, is like ignoring reality. Like, you, you can't point to a certain event and say, this is as bad as it can get, because we've seen that with the franchise that it can always get worse, uh, even if there's no guarantee that that will happen. And you know the funny the funny thing about that is we kind of straddled this line. Um, I was thinking about it uh, today, and I'm you know I was talking to my buddy about why he doesn't consume Nick's content. He's like, you know, the reality of the current situation in New York is that if you're going to think about the Knicks or consume Knicks-related content, it's either going to be on the pessimistic and extremely delusional, or if you're being realistic or dare I say pessimistic, you know, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder, it's going to be depressing, right. you know, and, and, and the reality of the, the Knicks situation throughout the last few years is that, you know, if we're being scientific about this, um, you probably should err on the side of pessimism because right. there's no evidence to suggest that things are going to be better. And, you know, if you're being real about the current state of things, it's, you know, you got to trace it back to things that have already happened. Once they decided to trade for Bargnani and trade several first-round picks for him, you kind of handcuffed yourself into this idea that we're going to try to be good because we can't even reap the rewards of being bad. Then, you know, in my opinion, they compounded that mistake when they re-signed Carmelo for the money that they did. Um, to me, with or without the picks, um, if you're going to commit to a guy like Carmelo and, you know, to make matters worse, um, grant him a no trade clause. Uh, you're kind of locked into trying. You're, the, 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 you can't you can't scrap things. You can't blow it up. You can't burn the house down and collect the insurance money. Um, you you kind of got you're locked into this dude and and trying trying to put out a product that's gonna win. You know because if all things being equal, the Knicks owning their pick right now, they should blow this thing up. You know. But how do you blow it up with Carmelo Anthony still there and locked in basically until he feels like it? I don't know. Yeah, the only way it could happen is basically if you just built your team as if he wasn't there while he was still on the team, which would be like the one of the weirdest so things weird. that ever happened. <laughs> I'm glad glad you brought up that optimism pessimism divide though, because that sort of plays into uh, this tweet that I got, which I'm just gonna sort of run through. Um, you know the, the the way I feel about it. So this uh, this is this tweet was from at Jabs Gabosa. Um, uh, I hope I pronounced that right. But um, he says, "Call me crazy, but I still think the Knicks can make the playoffs. Forty-two wins will definitely get you in. And while the recently the Knicks have been poor, 
their start to the season being fourth in the conference a few weeks ago shows that they can turn it around. The lower half of the East has no great teams either, so if we go 25 and 18 the rest of the way, we're in. I feel that's very possible. So I'm going to address this in sort of multiple parts. Um, the, the, the assertion that 42 wins will get you in, um, the 8 seed last year had 44, and Chicago finished in ninth, two games back at 42. Right now, Washington is 19 and 19 in the 8 seed, and Chicago's a half game back at 19 and 20. So I wouldn't say that 42 definitely gets you in at this point. But if we accept the premise of the question, let's start here. You know, the Knicks are 17 and 21, so they need to go 25 and 18, like Jab says, to get to 42 wins. Uh, if you look at it, 25 and 18 works out to a 581 winning percentage, which is the equivalent of being a 48 win team over a full season. Uh, I, I don't know like what basis in reality there is to think the Knicks are going to suddenly start playing like a 48-win team. Like That was probably their absolute peak ceiling if everything went perfectly and KP took a massive step forward before the season. And like you look at it even during their start to the year, like when they shot up as high as third in the East, actually, not, even, not fourth, when they were 14-10, and 10, like they had a bottom-five defense at the time, and the point differential that suggested that they should have only had 10 wins, not 14. They should have been like 10 and 14, not 14 and 10, which is basically the equivalent of a 35-win team over a full season. And like, guess what? 17 and 21 is the equivalent of being a 37-win team over a full season. So they're basically right on track. So like, unless they, they're or about to... overperforming. Right. So like, un- unless they're about to become a wildly different and better team than they were... Uh, even during the start of the season that, that Jabs referenced, which, like, I don't know what about the way the team has looked over the last few weeks or the circus that's going on around them right now would make anyone think that that's about to happen. But unless that happens, 42 wins isn't happening, and neither is the playoffs. And I don't know why 42 wins and the eight seed is, like, the big desire that people have anyway. Like, being the Cavs' sacrificial lamb sounds less appealing to me than a lottery pick. Yeah, and, and and that's to, that's why I think it's you know again if they if they could have somehow made themselves into again a 45 40 win 44 win team um there's a lot of good cheer involved in that you know and I think and I think a lot of times we have this reductive way of looking at the league um in general and the Knicks um or not even the Knicks, just NBA teams, NBA fans. Uh, it's this idea that you know, if you're not if you're not a championship contender, then you're nothing. You know, which I I just happen to not agree with. I think Knicks fans would would get a lot of enjoyment out of being cannon fodder for the Cavs. Like you know, oh, yeah. like, it happened getting, like that first year when they played uh, the LeBron Heat. It's all, it's right. the thing where I diverge from them though is like. The, the idea that they have to make the playoffs or, like, no, 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 the world ends. It's, it's like the world simple. doesn't end at the end of this season. Like, it's okay if they go from 32 wins to, like, 36 or 37 and don't make the playoffs. Like, the world doesn't end. Um, no, you know, it, it, it makes the, the moves they made last offseason look pretty stupid. But I don't care if Phil Jackson looks stupid. Like, who gives a crap? Yeah, 
And and the problem the problem with that thinking, right? It's like normally I I would agree with Nick fans if you say the playoffs are the be all and end all. To somebody who would say, oh, but a lottery pick is better. Like for me, I'm always of the mind that well, the lottery is always there, right? The option of tanking is always there. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard to suck. Right, yeah. like it's that option is always there for you. So if you have an opportunity to chase the playoffs, to you know put a competent, you know product out on the floor, I think you should actually chase that because the oh, idea yeah. that you know, man, we gotta go after these picks. To me, it's like it's a lot. It's literally a lottery. You're buying a lottery ticket. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm not even advocating for them to tank or to not make the playoffs. I'm just saying. It's not a big deal well, if they don't. What you're saying, but I'm saying the problem with the Knicks is that the option isn't there, right? Like, because of terrible mistakes that were made in the past, like, you don't own your 2000 and, um, 2018 pick. Right? No, they like, do. They own all of their picks going forward. Oh, they do? Okay, so then that's, so then that's, so what are we even talking about? I thought they still, um, I thought they still had uh, the pick after. No, uh, this uh, this year's pick, the 2016 pick, was the last one that they sent out. Oh, so there you go. So, so then that's why. So then, to me, that's why it's always like, well, you know, tanking that option is there. So long as they're not dumb, and I'm, I'm think I'm confusing the Knicks and the Nets. I thought they were in the same boat in that regard. Yeah, but, um, they don't even have to tank. Just like keep playing and don't mortgage the future right. to try to be don't the eight seed. I mean, me personally, I'd be trying to move Courtney Lee. I'd be trying to... Um, <laughs> You'd be trying to undo everything that's happened other than drafting yes. KP, basically? Yes, I'd be trying to get rid of everything that I probably possibly could. I'd be trying to unload everything. Yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to do, obviously. A lot of the guys are not going to have markets. Like, I don't know how you trade Noah. I don't know why there would be any market for Rose. Um, There's no market for Rose. Well, I, I think there is a market for Rose. There was no market for Rose other than the Knicks when the Knicks got him. Like, they tried to trade him at last year's deadline and had no takers. Hmm. None. So, like, I don't, I don't know why there would be a, a market market now after he just went AWOL. But even if like, there isn't a market for Rose, you can just buy him out. Yeah, which is <laughs> right. fun. And, like... You know, and that's like that's only going to happen if they get even worse over the next few weeks before the deadline and can't find anyone to trade for him. And even then, I think it would still be somewhat unlikely. Um, But it's just the idea that like forty-two wins and being the eight seed is a thing that needs to happen. I think is a flawed premise. Like, it's fine if they don't make it. All that happens is Phil looks dumb if they don't make it, and who cares? Yeah, and to me, and to me, what's what's way more, you know, it's imperative that they bring in a young a young stud to develop a KP. Right. Like that to me, that's of way more importance than you know this idea that you get to play the Cavs in the first round. You know. Right, and um, like if it's the sixth pick or the thirteenth pick, like. Who cares? You know, like you're not likely to land a KP style star in either of those spots. You know, even if it's the 16th pick because they're the last team that made the playoffs or whatever it is. You know, and, it's and the problem with Carmelo and trading him is that even if you wanted to blow it up, even if there were contenders who were willing to take on his deal, 
Um, he's only the t- like at this point he's a like put me over the top piece. He's not a foundational piece. He's to me at best Melo is a third option on a really good team at this point in his career. Unless he's playing with LeBron, right? Who can turn so many things into second options. <laughs> you know, like we we've seen him do it so many times. Like he can turn so many people into viable second options, which is fine. But you know, there's not a lot of teams, like really good teams, to where you put Melo on that team as your second option, where you're now wow, you're ready to rock and roll. And his contract is so high, the salaries that they'd have to send back to match is like, dude. He's untradeable. <laughs> and he doesn't want to be traded, and he controls it whether or not he does. You know, it's right. it's not under their control. And, you know, that's Jason Concepcion brought it up on the podcast the other day. Like, that no trade clause was given to him, basically, so that if he gets traded, Melo gets the blame and not Phil. It's like, yeah, he wanted Which it. Which is so stupid. There was no reason, really, to get... And, look, we don't need to relitigate that contract, but... The idea that there needed to be a no trade clause given was there was no reason to do it. Um, but also, too, in the event that Mello would request a trade, is because the team sucked, which would be. In which case, you don't need the no trade clause, right? Like. No, but what I'm saying is that, like, oh, I wouldn't want to get blamed for Mello wanting a trade, but, like, the only scenario under which he would want a trade is because the team that you put together is so fucking bad. Right, and it's also like so that. Get the play for that, like that no trade clause, without a doubt, motivated the, you know, we need to go in and get into the playoffs right now while we still have we Carmelo under contract. Joakim for eighty million dollars. We need to go out and sign Courtney Lee, which I, you know, I still kind of like the Courtney Lee signing. Courtney Lee has done exactly what they signed him for for exactly amount of the value that they signed him for. I think. Right, and I was I was actually somebody who wasn't upset at the Rose trade. I mean, like in in a vacuum, um, I wasn't opposed to getting rid of Robin Lopez at all, um, and I definitely wasn't opposed to trading Nick's asset. And I say that with quotation marks, Jerry and Grant. You know, like I had no problems with that. But you know, that move was facilitated um, in order to bring in a new center, and. You know, the second part of that is what really just makes it all yeah. just look so... They um, paid an, an older player who appears to be a worse player more money over more years, yeah, which was like not great. every single... <laughs> he checks off all the boxes of bad. And an older, more injury-prone player more money over more years. <laughs> more money over more years. Um, which That's is not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and look, you could have made the argument that Noah would be uh, a better overall player than Lopez at the time they signed the deal, but that has not happened. Like, right. he just hasn't been. And this was really the only year that that was probably going to be the case because he's about to be 32 and he's a big man that depends on his athleticism to be good. Um, right. I mean, so, look, look, Jared, you never know. With the wonders of modern medicine, man, you never know what can happen. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's <laughs> that's where we are, you know? And... uh Things can get worse. Things can get better, and uh, there is there is no rhyme or reason to which way it will go. Like let's just acknowledge that it's the the, how the team is going to play over the next ten games. I would imagine bears like no relation to how they've played over the last ten, just because they're that weird of a team, and that's sort of where we are with this team right now. 
Well, at least it's a nice day in New York City today. <laughs> it is. It so is. Nick fans have that. Thank you for uh, for coming on with me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you Thanks can for find me, buddy. Uh, this was fun. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, you can find Waz on Twitter at Big Waz. You can check out the True Hoop TV podcasts as well. There's a that's True Hoop on, on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, the, the pod was rebranded, but Jay just never changed his Twitter name. Right, <laughs> he doesn't change the Twitter name, and he doesn't change all of the sound effects well, that he actually, uses. Henry already occupies the at True Hoop Twitter name, so that, that's that true. Was probably the reason. There's, a, I mean, you're on a, a few different ones. There's Black Opinions Matter Mondays with you and Amin. There's uh, there's all different. Basically, every day of the week has a different kind of podcast. So if you yeah, want to check got, those out, uh, we got Gone with the Windy Tuesdays. Warriors Wednesdays are back after a brief sabbatical. Um, Ethan was on 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 hiatus. Um, Recording podcasts he, with his wife instead. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, NP Arnovitz uh, with Kevin Arnovitz, which is a more conversational, more. Uh, I want to say it's like NBA culture related as far as the league, you know, and teams is is concerned more so than an X's and O's type of thing. But, you know, Arnovitz is well-versed in that, too, so you'll get a little bit of that. Uh, Fridays, we have the mailbag. Um, Steiny Moe does interviews. Uh, Ramona. Um, we got the Fresh Off the Boat. With um, Ohm and Carrie Chow and Prim and, you know, and that's a Saturday podcast for those of you of the Asian persuasion. If you want to get some Asian culture in your life. Um, yeah, man. True runs the gamut. <laughs> definitely does. And uh, definitely high, highly recommend checking out any and all of those podcasts if they uh, find your fancy. Um, thanks again for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. All right. Awesome. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.